Hello, this is Michael Muller, and you're listening to The Late Source. Welcome to episode 32 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, a website that introduces photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we have an exciting interview with Michael Muller, a favorite photographer of mine, also mentioned in our uh, favorite photographer's thread in the Flickr group. Uh, he has some amazing work. He's done a lot of um, promotional work for movie studios, such as like Spider-Man 3, X3, uh, Walk the Line. Uh, some of his stuff is in a lot of photo annuals. And he's he's a renowned celebrity photographer, did a lot of work for People Magazine. And he has a really amazing style, and you can follow along on his website during this interview at MullerPhoto.com. It's M-U-L-L-E-R-P-H-O-T-O. Good stuff. But the holidays are past. Yeah, Christmas is over already, and I can't believe it. We're coming up on the New Year, though. So Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Bill. <laughs> Did any uh, any of the Light Source gift guide items find their way under your tree? Uh, not directly. I think some things will still be appearing over the next month or so. Ah, nice. Those are always <laughs> nice when you can extend the holiday. Gotta love gift cards. <laughs> They're wonderful things. How about you? Um, I got the Michael Greco Lighting in the Dramatic Portrait. Excellent. So it is an amazing book. Do you like it? I do like it. Um, one of the things that struck me right away with it when I started flipping through is the, the print quality. It definitely has, even though it is a, a soft cover, which is the one that I got, it has a very, I don't know, it's like the pages are like a very glossy, high-finished image. So, I mean, it, it, you feel like you're looking through a portfolio, but there are these articles and uh, little snippets thrown throughout that you know talk about like you'll talk about motion blur and then you know you'll see like three or four full-size page images where he shows how he used motion blur in a in a portrait and then there's a little caption that would talk about you know what he did to it and why he did it and things like that that sounds really cool that uh, are pretty interesting and there's lighting diagrams as well as description and it's just a real interesting book to just flip through or to actually sit down and read it i'm starting on that process so that's great i'm definitely ordering that book and in the meantime i'm gonna have to stop over and check yours out <laughs> yeah definitely we got some stuff we need to share in common with uh equipment that's sitting around here yeah speaking of equipment we uh we posted another product review on the site ah yes the photoflex star flash had a lot of fun with that little guy the star yeah, flash 650 which is Photoflex's new line of monoblock strobe lights. I thought it was a pretty cool product, but you'll have to check out our opinion over at studiolighting.net. Yeah, we don't want to give too much away for it, but uh, yeah, it was a neat little neat unit. And of course, with just like we did with the uh, Alien B ring light, we have all of our uh, full tests you know, showing everything with you know, the light spread of the unit and some of the modifiers that came with it and things like that. Yeah, so check it out. While we still have it, I'm sure that we'll be using it and popping some photos up in various places Absolutely. with that tool. So, I mean, aside from that, there's not really a whole lot of news that's going on. It's kind of kind of a dead time. Yeah, it's kind of a dry time of the year, you know. Um, but uh, I, I, there was a couple of announcements this week, camera-related, nothing major, but both Canon for the Mark IIs and Pentax for its DSTs, or however you say that, released firmware updates. 
the Canon one, for example, is just to allow it to read larger cards. So big whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything over eight gigs, so I'm I'm okay. No, there's really nothing going on there. Oh, and I don't have a one D camera too. You so. don't have the one D, yeah. Well, not yet. Yeah. No, I'm not getting one D. I don't want a one D. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm happy with the five D. Awesome. That should be better, right? 5D? Yeah, it's a bigger D. number. Bigger number. So bigger, sense. better? Absolutely. It goes to 11. I did have one kind of a cool website to share, though. It's called foto.com, which is spelled like F-A-U-X-T-O.com. Uh-huh. I don't know if you got to see this, but it's another online image editor that's totally Flash-based, and the, the interface is pretty similar to Photoshop, just in the way that it's laid out and the tools that they've built in. It's pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, we've talked about these on the show before. Basically, the concept is you don't have to have any software at your desk. You can just upload a photo or point to one that's already on the web somewhere and edit it. There's layers and effects that you can add and all that sort of thing. So if you're in a jam, it's nice to know about. Cool. Well, one thing that we had talked about in our gift guide was that upstrap, which yes. is the the uh, the camera strap. And um, uh, there's NASA astronaut Sunita Williams. She could have really used one of those. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys aren't familiar with it, there's a great video on YouTube, and we'll have to see if we can dig up a link and stick it in the uh, the show notes. While they were doing a spacewalk, and uh, there was a little bit of a distraction for her, and um, the SLR wasn't properly clipped to her uh, spacesuit uh, during her seven-hour walk, and um, yeah, they turn around, and all of a sudden you see this this camera floating off into Neverland. <laughs> have, have you seen the clip? I've seen the clip, and it's totally oh. something that I would do if I were in space, so I feel bad for her. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great because it's, like, floating off, and, like, it, NASA's, like, you know, it's like, uh, can we get a visual? Is that your is that your camera floating <laughs> off? I think it is. It's like, we confirm that is your camera floating off. It's like, yeah, great, thanks. Just rub it in that, yeah. you know, I just, you know, let my camera go. It's recorded away. for all of history. Yeah. Yeah. Someday someone will find that camera and be pretty excited about it. So it's like, a, wow, look at this relic. That's right. Perf- perfectly preserved, no atmosphere to destroy anything on it. And I think I read somewhere that they have to actually track it until it, you know, gets burned up or whatever. Ah, oh, I will. I believe it. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All that for not having the right camera strap, right? Yeah. Right, so cool there's a job. there's a market for those guys. Absolutely. To, to try and hit. <laughs> There is a couple of things that I'd like to mention before we jump into the interview about places where you can give props to LightSource. Because there's two things that we were talking about this this past month that we thought would be interesting to mention to the listeners. One is, I don't know if any of you are Dig.com users or members, but Dig has added, and that's a that's the social news website, digg.com. And if you use that site at all for your news or for, for digging stories and articles, They've just added a new beta podcast section where actually it's really nice because basically the concept is the more users that dig the podcast, the podcast moves up in the list of popularity and you can find cool podcasts really quickly that way. So just wanted to let all of our listeners know that are dig users to head on over to the new podcast area at dig.com and get in a dig for light source. I think there was like six or seven digs last time I looked, which is not the best, so help us out it's, there. <laughs> it's not bad for starting out, especially since some people might not even know about the service yet. Yeah, it's pretty new, and you have to be a member to even use it, but just wanted to throw that out there. And another thing, if you're an iTunes member, um, drop by LightSource on iTunes, 
and leave us a comment if you could. Uh, it definitely helps out. Popular the show is rated and things like that. So if you like the show and you have a few moments to spare, drop by iTunes and look for Light Source and drop us a comment, and we'd appreciate it. We're going to get into the interview here with uh, Michael Muller, a favorite photographer of mine, so I'm very excited to have this. And also, listen carefully about the Mercedes. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. that That's my one of my favorite parts that of the interview. Cool. <laughs> I, I want to be that popular someday, that Mercedes will do that for me. And with us on this edition of The Late Source is a favorite photographer of mine, Michael Muller. Uh, he is a super celebrity photographer. Uh, looking through his gallery, I mean, it's it's a who's who of Hollywood. Lots of uh, great images from uh, X-Men, Johnny Cash movie, Walk the Line, and uh, hordes and hordes more. Check it out at MullerPhoto.com. Michael, thanks for joining us on the show. Wonderful to be with you guys. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> We're doing good. Uh, first off, how did you get started in photography? Uh, I started shooting photography at a young age, at about, I don't know, 11, 12. I, I lived overseas in Saudi Arabia. My father was uh, doing work over there, and it was his hobby, and that was when I first picked up the camera. But uh, as far as you know, professional or you know, semi-professional work, I started shooting snowboarding at the age of 15, and that was in 1986 when the sport was first evolving. Nice. And that was when I got my first published. I was first published at, I believe, 16 years old. And that's how I started. So did you move right away into uh, portrait photography? How did you get into the amazing portraits that you're taking right now? No, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, well, I mean, it was sort of a quick move. But I, I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and, and, and was following my snowboarding and moved to Los Angeles in, I believe, 2000. And went to Otis Parsons. I got advanced placement at the school from from my snowboarding photography. And I went there one semester. And um, I think I flunked half my classes. <laughs> the, only, the only class that I really uh, there were a couple classes, but one was color theory that I really that I really got a lot out of. But uh, what I found was that a lot of the students there were like, you know, I remember a class when uh, the, the professor asked everyone, you know, why do you want to be a photographer? And everyone was like, oh, because I was abused and because of this and because of that. And when he got to me, I'm like, because I want to make money. And he smiled, a real big smile. And uh, after the first semester, I went into the guidance counselor and I said, you know, what do I need a diploma for? And they said, I, they said basically to teach. I'm like, so I don't need to show you know, a diploma or a piece of paper from, you know, Brooks or from the art center or from some school to get a job. And they're like, no. And I'm like, great. And I, and I left. Wow. And I went right from there and I started uh, testing models and shooting friends of mine that were actors and bands. And that's sort of, I, I couldn't really understand. I mean, you know, I had problems with school because I had a lot of teachers telling me what I was doing wrong or, you know, don't do it this way. I never got the zone system and, and they're like shoot four rolls a day. And I'm like, how am I going to afford this? And what the fuck am I going to shoot four rolls of? So I basically figure out a way to get paid to learn. So I would shoot like up and coming wannabe models or whatever. And they would pay me and I would try out new films and I would learn that way. So I sort of got paid to learn instead of paying to learn. That's a wonderful way to do it. Absolutely. My experience with school is they teach you the box. They teach you the laws. They teach you the rules. And they critique you. So by the time you walk out of there, you don't know, 
you're so insecure not knowing because, you know, they put your photo up in front of the class and everyone critiques it. What's wrong with it? What's not wrong with it? So that, you know, you question everything you do. A lot of my assistants have come out of, you know, and, and you're left with a you know quarter of a million dollar debt. Right. <laughs> I, I personally never assisted one photographer in my career. Really? Wow. Yeah, it was. I'm a self-taught guy, and I never wanted to just because I never wanted to watch someone doing what I wanted to do and add my two cents. And so I just went out and did it on my own. So most of what you picked up in terms of like lighting and all of that was just sort of self-taught. Well, it's not self-taught. I, I, I'd be a liar if I said it was all self-taught. My lighting, you know, for the first 15 years of my career, I used all available light. Wow. I would go out and I'd shoot, and, and, and I'm talking, you know, shooting for major magazines and major stuff. I would just go out, and what that taught me was how to work with any type of light, and I shot really quick. But I've really got into lighting in the last six years. Hmm. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, to be real honest, I don't know how many professional photographers will admit this, but I'm only as good as my assistants. Well, okay, let me say this. I'm only as, my stress level (laughs) is low or high, depending on the assistants I have. And I I have a crew, they only work for me, and they're like family. And they can, like, we're very symbiotic. Like, we, they don't even need to ask me. They know what I'm going to do, and they know how to adjust. Well, speaking of your assistants, um, I'm looking through your portfolio, and I see the shoot you did with Jerry Lee Lewis, the image with the flames coming out of it. Right. Gary Burton is an art director that that designed Neil Young. You name it, he did all the album covers for, you know, 60s and 70s. His his wife does a lot of retouching, what kind of you. Janice Heo, cover oh, okay. digital imaging. She was actually the one that uh, took the two composites and put them together. I'm, I'm very much an in-camera guy. That's one of the few times... <laughs> That uh, that comping's involved for the most part, like Joaquin lighting a cigarette on fire, that guitar was on fire. Oh, that's awesome! Ooh. That's one of the things I was going to ask you about because your images just have such life and saturation. And I was going to ask if you if you spend a lot of time in post processing or if you really take the like. How do you achieve that? No, I do ninety percent of my post work, but but it takes me about two minutes an image. Wow. You know. Uh, my post work consists of curves and colors, and that's about it. That's amazing. And what I tell everyone, you know, that calls me or my assistants, if you don't have a good foundation of a photo, you know, especially with the digital world and, and you know, digital cameras and Photoshop, I think people um, think that they can do it all later in Photoshop. They shoot for Photoshop right. instead of shooting for a great image. And all Photoshop does is, you know, is is allowing it's basically for me I look at it like the dark room you know burning dodging what have you it saves me eight trips to the dark room um, but a lot of people look at Photoshop that they can make a, a great image in Photoshop when they don't really shoot for the image they shoot like ah I get it later you know I'll comp this and I'm I'm more a realist I, if I can tell I can look at a photo and tell when they put fire on someone or they cut them out and. And for me, I'm, I'm much more uh, a realist. I like to, you know, if I'm going to have fire, I, I want to light the shit on fire. <laughs> I'm actually just blown away even more than by your portfolio because it's just, everything's, it just looks so good. I mean, so saturated and just really great. Your color work is amazing. It's and, really not all that saturation, I'll tell you. It took me about five years to figure it out. I went through the whole wave. I tried all the filters. I did all that. I had other ad agencies that are like too too much Photoshop. 
you know, too much post work. And I'll tell you from my experience with that agency, and this is a couple of years back, you know, they're they're not into the post work. They want to see the, the, the image. And you, you put too many bells and whistles on your image and you're going to scare people away. Because for the majority of it, you know, whether it's an advertising agency, a movie studio, a fashion house, they're going to do it themselves. Right. You know, they're going to add on the bells and whistles themselves. So if you don't have a good image to start with, you're in trouble. That's interesting. At least from my take of it. Now, you were just about to talk about your how, how you came to figure out the saturation thing. Well, it's not necessarily a saturation. It's, you know, it's a bump in colors and it's a bump in, you know, it, 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 it is working Photoshop. I do, like I said, what, what I did, I started doing digital about five years ago and I had a lot of, a lot of people that I highly, highly, highly respect agents, like the, some of the best agents in the world, you know, and they're friends of mine. They come over to my house and this is like years back and they sort of snuffed me, you know, their noses up on me that I was doing digital. And those same people I've had lunch with, I don't know, a couple months back, and they said, Michael, got to tell you, you have you got to jump on everyone uh, <laughs> because everyone's shooting digital now. And, and uh, when I do my work, I mean, when I shoot an image, um, I can shoot it, and I know what my parameters are. I know where I can take it. I know my boundaries. So I know from start to finish when I'm taking because I have my assistants, and I go, oh, it's way too dark. I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. You know, I know what I'm doing because I know what I can do later if I want. And, you know, there's a way of making digitals look like film. There's a way of, I mean, you know, I had, I was showing some images the other night and people were like, wow, what was that shot on? And the funnest thing I have is when I go on these meetings with, with art directors, I'm going to say that film or digital. And I like to say, what does it matter? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, who cares? What do you, you can't tell the difference, can you? So if you can't, they obviously have to ask because they don't know if it's film or digital, and that's my goal. That's great. Because it's an image. Whether it's acrylic or oil, it's the same thing. It's, you know, you're, you like what you see or you don't. But there, there definitely are differences between film and digital. Now, you definitely have a signature style, and in your bio, uh, it says you have a passion for art of photography and can easily be felt by simply looking at your pictures. And when people view your work, you simply want to evoke emotion. How did right. you get to the point where you um, are pulling the emotion out of these images? I mean, what, what inspired you to, to have this style that you have? Well, it started when I dropped out of Parsons and started shooting models or bands or what have you. I approached every one of those as if they were the cover of Vogue. So I said, what can I do for this guy? Because I'd get people in front of me and I'd be like, what the hell do you think you're doing trying to model? <laughs> and so my job as a photographer is to make them look good. And I think a lot of people take the job like, oh, you know, you know, like, you know, it's slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. They just want the money. For me, it was a challenge. How can I make this person look good? That's part of the equation. And the second part of the equation is trust. If your subjects don't trust you and they won't give you them, you know, then you're not going to get the iconic photos. If whoever's in front of your camera doesn't trust you, you're never going to get an iconic photo. You're going to get a photo, but it's not going to be something special. If they trust you, they're going to push boundaries. They're going to let you do things that they normally don't feel comfortable doing. And the third part is shooting fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think those three equations, I shoot really, really, really fast. So when you're dealing with high-caliber celebrities, high-end athletes, uh, whatever it may be, if you can shoot someone fast and make them look good, you've got them for life. They love That's you. That's great. So they keep coming back then. 
they keep coming back because most people, including myself, don't like being in front of a camera. Very insecure, very self-conscious. Oh, my God, I'm bald, I'm fat, <laughs> and I don't want my picture taken. And I have yet to meet someone that really loves to be in front of the camera. Wow. And those people are usually, you know, so egotistical and narcissistic that you want to get them out of a studio quicker than they came in. Well, that brings up an interesting point, though. Do you have a lot of, like, preparation for a shoot? Do you, are you on location way before they get there? Like, how do you how do you get a fast shoot to work like that? Uh, I'd probably credit that to my training when I quit Parsons, and I'd have models come over, and I would do a shoot within three blocks of my apartment. I'd find different little doorways, alleyways, buildings, streets, and I'd say, what can I, like, if you bring me to anywhere in America or anywhere in this world, within a couple blocks, I can do a five-page spread, ten-page wow. spread, and it'll all, all look different. That's cool. And that's just using your, your creativity and saying, what can I use that's close by? Once, I mean, I'm not a real conceptual person where I, like, preconceive ideas. That's not to say that I don't, because I do. But for the most part, I show up and I let the magic happen. It just happened yesterday with Alec Baldwin. I had one photo in my mind, him standing in an oil field drenched in oil or standing in a pool of oil. That was the only shot that was on my shot list. But we ended up doing, you know, eight photos, completely all totally different. Wow. But I didn't know what I was going to do when I showed up. When Same you... with X-Men. When I went up to X-Men, they didn't give me, you know, it wasn't a typical, it wasn't the traditional you know, art directors and, and them giving me uh, the comps and saying, this is what we want. The the head of Fox said, go do your thing, do whatever you want. So I had no direction. I could do what I wanted, you know. So, you, you, you know, that's where the creativity comes in. And that's something I think that it's a 50-50. It's a gift and it's all uh, experience. With the level of clientele that you're working with, that's got to be a, a stress-filled, exciting experience to kind of be flying by the seat of your pants. There actually, honestly, is no stress. For some reason, I'm so comfortable in that environment. I can have 80 people on the set and 48 lights going and packs and 12 assistants and eight art directors and four people from the studio and publicists and the actors, and I'm right at home. But when you bring me home to my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and I have to walk with her for four hours, I'm completely stressed. <laughs> In photography, I'm I'm at home. I'm never stressed, really. But, but when it comes to other areas, I'm like, I, I can't even believe it. I'm like, I, and people, you know, we, we laugh, you know, the guys that work with me, because, you know, I, I don't, I handle stress really well in those situations. And it's not stress. It's, uh, it, if there's anything I can give your listeners, it's this. There's no such thing as a problem. There's only solutions. And if you're the photographer, you're the conductor. So if you start to stress, if you start to break down, your whole shoot will break down. It's like a virus. Wow. So they look up to you. The minute you start breaking down, the minute you start freaking out, you lose everyone. So if you remain cool, calm, and collected, you know, the shoot goes fine. A light blows out, what I tell my assistants, if, we, if we're in the studio and, you know, three of our packs blow up, they come up to me quietly and they say, those three, plaque, those three packs blew up. And I say, great, cool. All right, grab this. Do the, the client never knows. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned some of your equipment. And I'm just wondering, like, since you're trying to be on location and have such a dynamic environment, 
do you travel light? What kind of equipment do you use for lighting and that sort of thing on location like that? Uh, I'm all pro photo. Okay. Pro photo lights, 7Bs, 7As, pro photo as far as my lighting. I, I, I do use bronze color as well, but I'm a big pro photo fan. I use Canon 1DS Mark II, and I use a, P, a Phase 1 P45 for my larger format stuff. Okay. Cool. All self-contained. I do, you know, I have my own drum scanner. I, I'm pretty much, but I, I, I'm a big advocate of pro photo. Okay, so like when you're on location with all your gear and you guys decide, hey, let's go over here to this oil tank, you just kind of move the whole set? We don't have to move the whole set. My assistants are mobile, so you stand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they put the 7B in their backpack and they hold the beauty dishes or whatever lighting we're using. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that allows me to get a shoot done in 45 minutes or half an hour. We, I shot Alec Baldwin yesterday, right? He showed up an hour and a half late, and we finished 15 minutes early. Wow. And that's what's getting every shot. You know, that once again is, goes back to what I was saying earlier, is, is that's my assistance, too. Because if you have knucklehead assistance working for you, they don't, you know, you're going to get knucklehead results. <laughs> Well, let's shift real quick. On your site, you have, if you go to the, the new section of the, the images on MullerPhoto.com, right. there's a tab called Mercedes, where you yes. did a, an underwater series with a Mercedes car. Since you say that you uh, don't do a lot of Photoshop and things like that, did, did you really submerge a car in a pool? <laughs> you know what? I sure did. I didn't. Mercedes, <laughs> God bless their soul, did. They ruined an $80,000 car for that one photo. Wow, oh, that's great. That, that uh, I yes. just did an exhibit called Quiet, and it's an underwater, all underwater show for the Art of Elysium, which is a charity that I work for, for um, kids in hospitals. And I go to the hospitals, and I go with my assistants, and we take pictures of the kids, and we let them take pictures of, you know, of themselves. They use my equipment. And then I go back, and I bring them prints, and I work with them. So they approached me, and they do gown, they do exhibits, and uh, this was the first one I did with them, and I gave 100% of my proceeds to the charity to create a, a foundation that I could start buying cameras and equipment and flying out photographers to get involved with this charity, and I shot that, uh, the whole show in about months, you know, using different celebrities and Olympic athletes and product and Mercedes was one of the big sponsors. It was the opening of the Esquire house. And uh, they approached me and they said, Mercedes wants to be on the cover of the book. And I said, oh, that's just not going to happen. And I'm like, they're going to have to drop a car underwater for me. That's the only way I'll do it. And and, and then uh, she's like, well, let me ask him. And then, she, and, then, and then it hit me like two minutes later, I'm driving and one of my shot lists was a, was a supermodel with like a couture dress, you know, ascending from this car. So... I called her back, and I'm like, I got the shot. One of my shots is this. Will they do it? So basically, you know, Mercedes called, and she was trying to get cars. So basically, at the end of the day, she got the car for me, and, and that's Ava Mendez, who is, uh, you know, an actress and a phenomenal woman and has a humongous fear of swimming, doesn't oh, swim, no. <laughs> and uh, walked her through it. And there's actually a whole, there's some write-ups on uh, Forbes and uh, MS cars. And, uh, you know, there's a couple write-ups on that whole shoot because Mercedes basically brought over and submerged in, you know, $70,000 car, ruined it for the photo. 
we had a huge tank, and Kirsten Dunn showed up, and we did a bunch of shoots, and uh, it was a it was a fun fun show. That is wild. The images yeah, no, that's are a real that's a real that, that's a real car underwater. If you if you go to Mercedes, yeah, that's that's all underwater. The shots are just incredible. Thank you. So now, what sort of uh, lighting do you use underwater? Oh gosh, now you guys are getting into all the top secret stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we gotta ask. We gotta ask the hard questions. You know, how many how many underwater photographers do you know? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I've read on I a couple. I can tell you one. I can tell you one. Howard Chance. You know who he is? is? The, one. the the name isn't ringing Howard a bell. Howard right Chance. All right, you got to look up Howard Chance. With the exception of him, I haven't seen any others that really do it well. I mean, besides like fish and you know a shark. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm going to give you guys homework. All your listeners, go look at Howard Chance. I'm okay. a big fan of his work. Uh, lighting underwater is it, it's all different. A lot of it's available. I bring in HMIs. I do a lot of movie lights with it. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty extensive process, and it's taken me a couple years to really get down. You know, there's a lot of color calibration. There's a lot of lighting issues. Lighting changes underwater, and wow. uh, I'm in full scuba. I'm fully certified open water diver. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm under there, I'm in full scuba. Nice. So I have a housing. It costs it, it costs almost more than my camera. So. <laughs> It would take us a three-hour special on underwater lighting. <laughs> well, and then I would have to kill all your listeners. Uh-oh, yeah, we don't want that. Well, I tell you what, it, whatever investment you've done in it is definitely worth it because the some of the images in this uh, in this Art of Elysium is just simply amazing. Thank you. That will actually be posted. I'm I'm about to update. I, I I actually just switched agents, so I'm about to update the website. I have a whole January is going to be a, a fresh new start, and there's there's a lot of content that I haven't added to my site. Probably six months worth of worth of work. I've been working literally nonstop for for six months. Have not been able to even update my site, which by the way goes. If this is another tidbit for your listeners, if you're going to make a website, make a website that you guys can control yourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's... So you can update and populate your own website so you don't, you're not at the disposal of, of someone else, which I have. That's good I, advice. I, I made the back end so I can change my website whenever I want or, or populate it whenever I want. I find that to be a, a, a problem with a lot of... You know, uh, newer photographers is finding a website. You know, you get a website, you have someone build it for you, and then you want to add new stuff. You got to call the person. So, uh, if you're going to get into website to showcase your work, which I highly suggest, build a website that you can control yourself. I like the way you have you have the mouse. You have to actually slide the photos to see the next one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a hit or miss. People love it or hate it. <laughs> I figured. Well, um, while we're talking about some of your images, I, I wanted to touch on a couple of other things that I noticed in your portfolio. There's a few in there that are um, they're clearly lit with artificial light, but it's very subtle. How do you light something that barely looks lit? You're going to have to give me an example. Okay, there was a woman and a, a young child in a room, and it just looks, it could even be natural, I guess. But Right. That's a room in the studio. We built that set. Really? Yeah. Minimal lighting, though. I'll tell you, less is more. <laughs> Does that make any sense? 
Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah, is it, so you're for our listeners to think about. Are you saying you would maybe just have like one main light and just figure out how to use it in the room? Yeah, or? I mean, you, you, you got to think. You know, your key light is. You know, when you're key lighting your subject, that's your most important. How are you going to light your subject? You want them side lit? You want them front lit? You want them dramatic? You want it clean? But your keys are you're important, and then your ambience is. Is you know that's the other equation. Do you want to show the whole room? Do you want to show? Do you want it moody? Do you want it bright? Uh, I'll tell you, I've done shoots where we've had, I don't know, twenty eight seven A heads, seven A packs. I mean, thirty fucking lights. You name it. I mean, overhead booms. You you got it. I mean, the whole gamut. And do you know what they ended up using? The shots that I did with my one seven B and a DB edition are great. Oh wow, <laughs> that's that's a great example. Yeah, so it's not the amount of lights; it's how you use your lights. It's great advice. Yeah, I think people get really caught up, and and uh, you know, I I mean, uh, it, it's great because I'm sure your listeners are a lot like my assistants; they're young, they're learning, what have you, and and it, it it's funny because they'll come to me and they're like, "You can't do that." We can't light it like that. I'm like, well, just <laughs> shut up and do this, this, and this. And then I always prove them wrong because they come back and they're like, how the fuck did you get that? <laughs> but you know what that is? That's 15 years of working without lights. And, and that's basically being able to improvise on the spot. And that's all photography is. It's lighting and capturing a moment. You know, I mean, photography is just light. That's all it is. It's light. So if you really get to the basics, I've been to a lot of movie sets, and there's the movie sets that have, I mean, I can't even explain the lighting that they're using, and then I've been to movie sets where they got three, you know, HMIs, they're backlight, side light, real simple, mobile, and that's how I light. The more, the more lighting you have, the more expensive it gets, the more difficult it gets, and uh, you know what it gets? The more time-consuming it gets. If you bring in a subject and they have to sit there for three hours while you fine-tune and tweak all the lighting, by the time they stand in front of your camera, they want to go home. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but do you know what expression you get in your photo? A person, a man or a woman that wants to go home and doesn't want to be in front of your camera. <laughs> yeah. Your philosophy is awesome. I think it, it, we can all learn from that. I did have one other question about just technique before we before we wrap up here since we've had John for a little while here. I noticed in a few shots you have some of the like day for night where you you can clearly see that it's outside and it's probably and it's there's some light. Right? Yeah. Do you do that a lot and and yeah. how how does that work? I just did it yesterday. Uh we uh you want it, you want you guys want the actual exact way to make it work? F22 and 200. Okay. With strobe. So you have a strobe for your for your main light. You got to have your strobe for your key. So if you're shooting a person or an object, you got to light that up. If you want the background to look like night or real moody, you got to drop everything else. You got to either be shooting at 200, 250, at 22, 18, 20. And what happens is, is your subject or your key pops out and everything else goes in the middle of the dark. <laughs> out in the middle of the day. That's cool. And I do it all the time. Yeah, I just I noticed a, a number of shots, and I thought it'd be cool for our listeners to hear how you how you do that. So I appreciate right. that. Then you take another light and you throw a little highlight on the ground, and then it all of a sudden adds depth of field and adds dimension. Awesome! How oh, cool! So that, you know, then you can take it to the next level and add a light and throw it on the tree, but everything else is dark. But then you're seeing the tree, but your keys light up a little more than the tree. 
So you can, you know, it's all about playing and experimenting. That's great. But I'll give you that. That's F22, 250, 200th at a second. Bring on a head, bring on a light. And then start painting from there. Yeah. Then use right. Canon because Nikon sensors suck. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> gotcha, Bill. Oh. Ed's a Canon shooter, and, I'm, and I have Nikon equipment, so we always, depending on the guests, we always razz each other about it. So. Every, I like Michael every, a little more now. Every assistant, every assistant I've ever had. I'm honest to God, they've come in with Nikons. They've all sold them on eBay. No kidding. No kidding. When you open them up, I'm actually doing this interview in front of an Enzo color calibrated monitor, a 30-inch Apple. When you pull them up and they're big, you can just tell the sensors on Canon's blow away Nikons. Don't even a question. Wow. There's Enzo monitors. I think I've shot on my 1DS Mark II for almost 500,000 images in 18 months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I thought a thousand a month was good. That's that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Terabytes. I think you have as many good images as I have images that I've shot. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate as photographers we appreciate your you having so many of your shots up online. It's great. You can just get really get a feel for your work and your style. So uh Yeah, it's a definite challenge. Absolutely. We really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us tonight, Michael. I I don't want to keep you too late here. I'm sure all of our listeners have picked up some really good tips from you and learned how to use assistance as, as light stands and that sort of thing. So I really want to thank you. Hey, thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful evening. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the Internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you can also find links about our photography and keep up with the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us feedback or questions about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer those questions on the show or in the lighting questions section on studiolighting.net. You can also get feedback on your photography in our Flickr group, which is at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Till next time. Take care. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com. <laughs> Hi ho, everybody, it's Mickey Mouse. Listen to Light Source. <laughs> okay, now I uh, really did stop recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>